Well, good afternoon, everybody. There's a challenge in that, isn't there? What must I do to be saved? There's a question which we're going to look at at some length this afternoon and try and understand what the question means and also how we can find the answer to the question. In the simplest sense, we have the question answered for us in the words we've just read. We read about Paul and Silas being imprisoned for, um, for the, the issue with the healing the girl who had a, a, a possessed spirit. And they were thrown into prison and an earthquake came and miraculously all the doors of the prison were open and all the bonds that were holding them in place were released. And this being a Roman prison, the, the Roman person in charge of the prison would have felt absolute horror at this because he, it was his responsibility to keep these people under his charge and to keep them in prison. And so we can see there in verse 27, when he woke up, saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. <coughs> now, we have to wonder a little why no one did escape. This is one of those opportunities where God has, in the past, utilised um, angels to help the, those worthies of uh, Peter, particularly, to escape from prison. But here, the, the earthquake was not designed to help Paul and Silas escape prison. In fact, from, from it, it had a huge impact on the jailer, however. Because he immediately, having realised that there was no cause for alarm, that everyone was there. Um, verse 28, Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. Uh, the jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas, then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So if we look at who is this incident playing to it is the jailer isn't it it's not for Paul's benefit it's not for Silas's benefit because they're still in prison it's the jailer who has an immense change of heart and asks Paul that question what must I do to be saved now I'm quite firmly of the belief that this is not the first time that the jailer has seen Paul. And in fact, as they've been in the area for quite a while, it's more than likely that the, this person has been picking up the message that Paul has been proclaiming. What, what was it the girl that was shouting? Um, if we go back to verse 17, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Their preaching message was about the way of salvation. So the jailer has obviously picked up on this because he knows to come and ask Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? And so we have our subject. The reply, verse 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to them and to all the others in the house at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. 
Then immediately he and all his family were baptised. So there were a number of important points there. The most important part was belief. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. There was also the word of God, having received and recognised the word of God. And then understanding that baptism was essential in that process as well. So we see three principles that time and again through scripture, as we will see this afternoon, talk to us about how we might be saved. Belief, the word of God and baptism. Notice with the question though, what must I do? There's a must there. There's no options. If you want to be saved, these are the things that you have to do. You must believe. You must be baptised. You must understand the word of God. It's also about personal salvation. What must I do? It's not about... Well, you know, the, the world at large, what does that need to do to be saved? No, the question is, what must I do? Which means the inference is purely on the person asking the question. And we need to ask ourselves the same question. What must I do to be saved? Just like the jailer here in this passage of scripture What must I do? Action is required. It's not just a question of sitting back and letting these things wash over you. Okay, I need to believe, I need to be baptised, right? That's fine, and away you go, continuing on with your normal life. Action is required. Inaction cannot save. Only actions can save here. You need to do something. You need to understand you need to work at understanding what God's requirements are. You need to re recognise what belief in the Lord Jesus really means. And then you need to be baptised. And then there's the idea of saving. Paul was preaching a message of salvation. Salvation from what? What is it that this is all about? What must I do to be saved? Saved from what? Well, the Bible's very clear to point out, and we'll, you'll have heard it many times from different uh, talks from this platform, that the Bible talks about sin and death and God's offer of salvation through Jesus Christ to be saved from sin and death. We are all mortal creatures. We're all descendants of Adam. We all sin. And as such, we deserve the results of sin, and that's death. Yet, there is a possibility offered by the Bible, offered by the word of God, that Paul was preaching here, and that many others in Scripture, Old and New Testament, have preached that we can be saved from that. That, that doesn't need to be the end. And that is the message that Paul is saying to the jailer here. The jailer is asking, what, can I, what must I do to be saved? 
And the, the Paul is replying, believe, understand the word of God and be baptised. And if you notice there in verse 34, the immediate response, the immediate response is being filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. If we talk about belief, is it okay then to say, great, I know my Bible, I believe, and that's it. I think that the Bible is telling us much more than that. If we come to Luke chapter 8, this is a very familiar passage in terms of the, the, the parable of the sower, which I'm sure we'll all recognise. We understand that belief is much stronger than we might first think. There's more to it. It's not just a proclamation. It's about what we truly understand, where our mindset is. So let's look at Luke chapter 8. We have the parable. We know what that talks about. Um, Verse 5, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell among the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on a rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. So that's the parable. The meaning is set out by Jesus in verse 11. So this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, that they may not believe and be saved those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it but they have no root they believe for a while but in the time of testing they fall away the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear but as they go on their way they are choked by life's worthies worries riches and pleasures and they do not mature but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. And so, in a sense, that's us. We need to be thinking about the word of God in in this context. Notice the use of the word believe there that Jesus brings out. Those who believe for a while, but in the time of testing, fall away. They don't have a right understanding. Their belief is not sure. Jesus said in other parts of scripture, many will call and say, Lord, Lord, and I will say I've never known them. It is a concept that we have to apply belief to what we, do, what we read and hear. We have to develop that belief over time. It has to be something that grows within us. It's something that as we go on understanding more and more about God as we understand more and more about his word that it develops within us and that's why it talks about the the good seed those who endure to the end those who will be saved are those who have a noble and good heart who hear the word retain it and persevere so it's not just something that you can flittingly say I believe it is a much deeper um, 
feeling than that. Come with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Because it's quite strongly linked to the idea of faith. And that opens up a whole new area of understanding for us in terms of how we understand belief. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So in Hebrews 11, verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And the whole passage of um, Hebrews here is talking about those who have been demonstrating their faith by the things that they've done. So we have to have faith because without faith, there is no belief. And without belief that God exists, that he has a plan and that he has a purpose with us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice there it talks about a reward. There's salvation offered to those who would follow that path. To be saved, to believe in God, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and God offers them the opportunity of salvation through his son. Now, why is being saved important? Well, we already looked at it from the point of view of our sinful nature. We have, if we just turn a few pages back to the, the book of Romans in chapter 6. The very last verse in the chapter is extremely important because it ties in what we understand in terms of where God sees us and where he tells us we can be if we understand and believe so the words there in front of us say in Romans 6 and verse 23 for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are flesh and blood. As I said we inherit a sinful nature. And we deserve death as a result of that. But God in his great grace and mercy. Has provided the Lord Jesus Christ. That there is an opportunity for eternal life. That salvation that can be ours. Through Christ Jesus. But the important bit to note is. Whereas we earn death, it is God's gift that we might have eternal life in his kingdom. Come with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Because salvation is not something that can be earned, just as we read in Romans 6 there. It's something that God gives us as a result of Understanding the work of his son. <clears throat> so if we look at um, verse 3. All of us lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. 
And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So we see clearly here that belief in the Lord Jesus Christ is far greater than just a, a trite saying of those words. There has to be a fundamental understanding behind that of the faith in what God has done for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And a belief that God will grant us eternal life if we do what he's asked us to do and follow him. It's something we develop through our lives. No one of us has a perfect understanding of God at the beginning of our lives. But we develop our understanding as we go through. And that's important as well, that we have that hope built up throughout our lives by reading God's word and by reinforcing the things that he says to us through meeting together, through meetings such as this, and many other things that we can do to encourage a different way of thinking about life. And all because we have the opportunity of, sa of <coughs> salvation ahead of us. What must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, read the word of God, and be baptised. Now we heard mention of a couple of times that salvation and eternal life were the same thing. Well let's come and have a look at a couple of times that Jesus talks about the, the, these issues, these things. So John chapter 5. Jesus is saying here to, to those he is talking to, I tell you the truth in verse 24, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to, to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. And so Jesus himself talks about belief and eternal life and salvation and a resurrection of the dead through belief in him and a belief in God. So it's quite important to pick up on these, these ideas and follow them through in scripture. Let's have a look at some words that Jesus spoke in John chapter 11 on a similar theme. This is at the time of Lazarus, where he was dead and buried in the, in the tomb. And Jesus talks about... Um, resurrection with Martha. So verse 21 of um, John 11. 
Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will arise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. That is the level of belief we are required to have to let these things come to pass. To understand the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. To understand that he was there to bring about resurrection and life. To not just one, but to many who believe on his name and to whom he offers salvation. Let's have a look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Paul's writing here reiterates the things he's talked about previously. If you look at verse 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mind, with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Paul here is reminding us again in very similar ways to the way he talked about the, the to the the jailer at the start of our address, that belief is essential. What must I do to be, to be saved? To believe in the Lord Jesus, to understand the word of God and to be baptised. And Paul is quite clear that these are important aspects of how we can achieve salvation, how we can achieve a parity with God. How we can achieve that is through belief in the Lord Jesus. The words at the end of that quote in verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, is a quote from the Old Testament. They're reminding the people that even in the Old Testament, the opportunity of salvation was not just for Israel alone, but for the rest of the world. And Paul, as a minister for the Gentiles, is bringing that message out to people, even today, that that opportunity exists to achieve salvation through a belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the sort of basis that Peter had at the day of Pentecost when he talked to the people. If we look at Acts chapter 2. 
Acts chapter 2, Peter makes a very long address to Israel, to the people at, at the day of Pentecost, to remind them of what they had done about the Lord Jesus Christ and how that they had put him to death. And at the end of it all, verse 36, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And so even Peter is reminding everyone here of the same principles that a belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the work that he has done for each one of us in offering his life on the cross, is the fundamental part to a, 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 an opportunity of salvation that is offered to us by our Heavenly Father. If we want to be saved, and surely, given the alternative, that's, some, that's a no-brainer, we do want to be saved. We have to ask ourselves, how do we achieve that? What must I do to be saved? And so we come back to where we started. That the whole point of this is, what must I do to be saved? It's something that's personal to each one of us. We have to reflect on these things in our lives. To understand where we are with God. Are we at a point where we can take on board the saving name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the waters of baptism? Are we on at the point that we can devote our lives to thinking about him with every waking moment? Are we on board with that glory of the future that's been promised to us through the word of God that reveals the kingdom to us and with that the opportunity of salvation and eternal life in his coming kingdom? All these things we have to weigh up in our minds and try to come to terms with that question of what must I do to be saved? And I want to leave this with the quote of the final, some of the final words in the book of John. John chapter 20 and verse 31. Because all these things, it's not just the book of John... But all these things have been written for a purpose. And that purpose is the saving of a people to God's own name. And the Apostle John writes here in John chapter 20, verse 30, that Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The question is out there for each one of us. 
What must I do to be saved? If you want to have life, if you want to be part of that kingdom of God, if you want to be part of that glorious dawning when Christ returns to take up the kingdom of God, then we have to act now. We need to believe what God has said. We need to act on it by being baptised, by understanding his word, by reading the things he has and by putting them into practice in our lives. And surely then, when Christ comes, with his grace and mercy, we may be part of that wonderful, blessed time. Even so come, Lord Jesus.